Hi, welcome back to Reader Radio. My name is Chris Bowling, and today we've got a story for you about how we get around in our city. Transit. Buses more specifically in Omaha. They run back and forth, east and west, north and south, all day, every day, taking people to their jobs, to run errands, and to restaurants and bars. If you don't own a car in the city, it's challenging to survive unless you live in one of our few walkable communities, and even living there can come with a pretty high price tag. So we wanted to know, how good of a job are we doing? Over the summer, we assigned Addie Costello to ride every bus route, talk to riders, and try to answer that question. She met some great people, asked great questions, and put together this story for us. Long and short of it is that, yes, Omaha's transit system leaves a lot to be desired. People take $17 Ubers to get home after their shifts at McDonald's because the buses don't run late enough. The buses, while really clean, are often empty. And while we're making progress with rapid routes like the new Orbit line, change still isn't moving fast enough for some. So, with that being said, get on board. There's no bus pass required for this trip. Hop on, find a seat, and let Addie talk transit to you. How often do you take the bus? Five days a week. Are you taking it to work? Yep. Only problem is when I get off work, I have to pay for a lift. Why is that? Because I get off at 2 to 3 a.m. Christopher Lawrence chews tobacco while sitting under the sheltered bus stop on 13th and Nicholas in downtown Omaha. He's one of many people I met while riding city buses as far north as Ames and as far south as Kew, out to West Roads and all the way back downtown. 77 and When I was given the assignment to work on a story about Omaha's public transit in the summer of 2021, I realized I had never taken a city bus, despite living here almost my entire life. So to find out if our city's bus system is doing enough, I spent two weeks taking 10 bus routes, talking to a dozen riders to hear their stories. Ultimately, I tell everybody it takes me anywhere from an hour to two hours just to get to work. Getting home is usually the easy part because I get off at two o'clock. My lift is scheduled at 2.05, so I'm back home by 2.30. Yeah. Lawrence works as a drive-thru cashier at a McDonald's in West Omaha. While most people would be upset at a sometimes two-hour-long commute, he isn't too bothered by the wait. What do you do, you know, for that hour on the bus? Right there. <laughs> Lawrence taps the back of his smartphone. That is part of the reason I have this solar charger. What would you do with the extra hour in your day if you didn't have to wait for the bus? I don't know. I've just got it ingrained in my schedule. <laughs> yeah. It's just a fact of my schedule. It's part of the routine, and I've just adjusted to it. But if I had wheels, I'd probably be sleeping that extra hour and a half. Because of the fact, like today, nine hour shift. Last night was another nine hour shift.
Lawrence and I are now sitting across from each other in the back of the bus. I ask him how he manages to stay awake for his shifts, and he pulls a small Tupperware out of his backpack filled with ground espresso. Before I get off the bus a few stops ahead of where Lawrence will transfer to another route, he has explained to me how he makes the espresso every shift. We were the only two passengers on the bus for a few minutes, and only a handful of people have boarded the bus since. Are you usually the only person on this bus for a while? Uh, from the time we leave here until we get to the library, I'm usually the only one. And then even then, this isn't the busiest route. Yeah. He'll be lucky if he gets maybe three or four people at the library. Then he might pick up one or two down on 13th and Jackson. After spending many hours on various metro bus routes while reporting the story, I realized empty bus seats were a common occurrence in Omaha. AJ, AJ Hill. And how often do you take the bus? Uh, I take it pretty much every day. Uh, to work or? Yeah, to work or, you know, just to run errands, pay bills. Yeah, and do you always usually take it out of the transit center here? Uh, yeah. The North Omaha Transit Center sits on North 30th Street. Hill sits in the Nebraska heat with headphones in, waiting for his route. Are you ever, like, the only person on your route or one of the very few people at a stop? Um, I'll say, yeah, when I get on the bus, it's typically never packed when I get on. So, I, you know, I have days when I get on, but the only time I had that experience was if I caught the bus around school time. Like, if I get off early around 3, kids getting out around that time, 3, 3.30, and yeah. But other than that, I really don't have no issues, like, overcrowding. Or, yeah. It don't be no more than, like, 3, 4 passengers when I'm on. So why aren't more people taking the bus? who's traveled outside of Omaha and has been in a city that embraces public transportation as a viable option to get around, um, understands when they come back here that we've got a lot of work to do and there's a lot of opportunity for improvement. That was Sarah Johnson. After moving back to Omaha from Colorado in 2009, Johnson became a public transit advocate. Yeah, actually, I used to have a car, but my mechanic, my car mechanic, told me I didn't drive it enough, and that's why it wasn't starting, so I sold it and actually bought a hot tub with the money. Johnson co-founded a transportation equity nonprofit, ModeShift Omaha, which works to make walking, biking, and busing more acceptable options of transportation in the city. Unfortunately, political willpower is what we are lacking in Omaha. Um, I am hoping that after this last election cycle, we've heard enough conversations about the importance of transportation you know, other other um, modes being treated as viable. So we hear from really people in all walks of life right in our community that want better options than are available today. And many of them will go to other cities and say, oh, I love public transit in Chicago or Minneapolis or these other cities. And then they come back here and say, why can't we have that? And one of the main factors is just the way our budget is set up compared to many of those cities. One-way politics is directly tied to the success of public transit is who's deciding Metro's budget. Evan Schweitz, the senior transit planner at Metro, explains the constraints the budget places on our transit system, which is not part of the city's budget, and is instead a political subdivision of the state with its own funding stream. In Omaha, we operate every year off of a budget that's about a little over $30 million. And per capita, that investment is about $40 per person, where... 
many of our peer cities, like even Kansas City is spending closer to $70 per person. Um, Lincoln, Nebraska, um, college town is spending $55 a person. Um, granted, that's a smaller city, smaller budget overall, but when you look at the population relative to their investment, they're able to um, deliver more transit service than we are. Sarah Johnson has seen the difference Kansas City's larger public transportation budget has made. Never, I'm not the most patient person in the world, and I always feel like we could learn more from other cities and implement things faster than we like to do in Omaha. Um, when Kansas City passed a Vision Zero initiative, they decided that they had a goal of within two years, they were going to build 30 miles of protected, connected bike lanes. I'm going to say that again because that's incredible to me. Two years, 30 miles of protected bike lanes. Conversely, Omaha has spent one whole decade on a mile and a half. It still isn't built. It's pathetic. Since this interview, the protected bike path has been furthered and it currently stretches down Harney from Midtown to Downtown. Approaching Forty and Dodge. However, Stothert recently vetoed City Council's planned investment in the protected bike lane as part of the Bicycle and Pedestrian Master Plan. This is not a radical idea. This is something that's happening elsewhere. Um, we just passed a $200 million road bond. None of that is going to sidewalk infrastructure. Kansas City just passed a big road bond, but they are actually using some of that money to take the sidewalks over, and they are in charge of them. Right now in Omaha, if there's a crack in your sidewalk, you as the homeowner are responsible for repairing the sidewalk. In Kansas City, if there's a, a situation issue or a maintenance problem with a sidewalk, uh, the city will take care of it. So just some little shifts like that would actually start kind of shifting the culture and reprioritizing the way we look at getting around town. Schweitz explains that sidewalks directly affect where they can place stops and plan routes. There's some areas where there's high demand for service, but there's no sidewalks. And so we can't logistically travel down a road that we have to let out a wheelchair into a ditch with no sidewalk. That's uh, just not serving anyone well. You know, you don't have to look at the coast to be inspired. You know, Kansas City is doing a lot of really good work, actually, when it comes to improving ways to get around town. Although places in the Midwest, like Kansas City, are making strides in the realm of public transit, one of the reasons larger coastal cities remain ahead is land use. You know, Metro Transit does really well with the resources that it has which are you know, quite limited for most American cities um, in terms of actual you know, financial resources to um, offer service and, and higher levels of service, higher frequency. You know, I think that really the big challenge, and now always, um, really comes down to land use because you really need to, in order to have a successful transit system, you have to have more sort of compact, you know, higher density development, you know, more destinations and trip origins that are accessible to, you know, to frequent transit service and corridors. Sloan Dawson grew up in Omaha, and after receiving a graduate degree in urban planning, he returned here to work for the regional planning agency, MAPA, where he worked on the regional transit visioning study. Omaha's development pattern is, is not compact. Um, I mean, there are some sort of little pockets um, that have been developing in recent years. Um, there's, of course, the downtown core, but most of the population lives in a pretty dispersed, you know, suburban residential land use forms. The, the, land, use is, the land use mix is critical for successful transit, and that's why transit uh, struggles in most of the United States, because the land use policies haven't been there to support it.
Not only is the design of our city working against Metro, but Omaha's public transit also got a late start. Until the 1970s, there were no consolidated bus lines, only privately owned pieces of a citywide transit system that began failing once cars became the norm. Left with no viable public transit, the state legislature passed a bill that turned all responsibility for public transportation over to the city of Omaha in 1972. You know, there's this tension in Omaha between, you know, do we invest in a project like a streetcar, which is really oriented to encouraging development in a particular area of town. We could just, you know, look down the river or down the road to Kansas City, who has been very successful. I mean, they've, they've done very well with their streetcar. Well, a lot of streetcars around the country have been successful in generating development. Some have not. Detroit Streetcar Q-Line was created in 2017, and according to the Detroit Metro Times, made back less than 10% of its costs and revenue. It has struggled to get connected to the city's larger public bus system. Dawson fears a similar problem would occur with a private streetcar here in Omaha. Um, I think some of the challenge with, um, for instance, a streetcar is oftentimes those are financed outside of transit agencies, so it becomes like, like a separate and sort of parallel investment of public resources so it becomes this more almost like symbolic investment not saying that that is what would happen in omaha the streetcar debate has been going on in omaha for years if installed it would cost around 170 million dollars and run from midtown to downtown most recently the project was rejected for eight million dollars in federal funding kansas city had a 300 mile stretch of public streetcars as early as 1910 where at that time in omaha there were only privately owned separate bus lines. The failure of the private transit companies in the 70s can explain some of the skepticism of privatizing any portion of our bus line. You know, there's a lot of concern about what that means for um, equitable mobility um, in cities and regions. And I think that increasingly people care about that as they should. You know, if, if you're building a streetcar, you're really focused on one area or a fairly narrow area. If you're building a bus system, you're focused on how do you really provide transit to get around the city. My my personal take on it is by focusing on expansion of, of the BRT, uh, so more frequent transit service to the corridors that can really support it. The orbit was funded through a federal grant. It is buses that stop every 10 minutes and goes as far west as West Roads Mall and all the way downtown to Dodge and Douglas Streets. The rapid transit system was by far the busiest route I took during my reporting and helps combat the city's sparse design. Metro hopes to expand rapid transit down other major streets like 24th. Lauren Sensick, Metro's recently hired CEO, explains why Dodge was selected for the system's first installation. Dodge Street was our first orbit because it really connected with almost every route in our system. And there was an incredibly high number of transfers. So lots of people, no matter what route they start off their trip on, we're riding along Dodge Street and we're gonna benefit from that. Um, we're looking at ways that we can not only expand on our orbit network and build more similar type projects throughout the city, but where we how we can look at improving the service, improving the amenities on our other routes as well. Unlike regular Metro buses, orbit platforms have touchscreens and the orange buses display fun historical facts and inspirational quotes from people like Oscar Wilde. Also unlike the regular bus routes, Orbit has a seemingly constant flow of passengers on and off at most stops. 77 and dog.
When I was given the assignment to work on a story about Omaha's public transit in the summer of 2021, I realized I had never taken a city bus despite living here almost my entire life. Joanne Ferguson Cavanaugh rides the orbit with a friend to lunch downtown despite having her own car, making her a quote, choice rider. Someone rapid transit is designed to attract. You know, we, we currently have people from all walks of life using Metro. Um, and I think that's a really important and exciting part of realizing as we're planning our service, planning how we're going to improve, um, realizing we're serving a very diverse set of needs in terms of um, who's riding, where they need to go, and when they need to go on those trips. Sensic values choice riders like Ferguson, but recognizes the equal importance of Metro frequenters who have no other way to get around the city than using public transportation. So really investing in public transit um, and making sure that transit is providing a choice for people in terms of how they can move around the city and making sure people can move around the city has a lot of tentacles into really important values that I think as a region um, we're really embracing, which are equity, sustainability, um, accessibility, as Omaha is trying to compete um, regionally and nationally for businesses and companies, being able to recruit that workforce is tied to transit. Creating a public transit system that best serves individuals who rely on the bus does, however, often require gaining more choice riders when there's a lack of funding. You attract the choice riders, um, and that is what sort of you know gives the resources to look at a larger network restructure to you know splice routes together that are serving you know underserved or disinvested parts of the city and connecting them to you know parts of the city that are um, uh, have more destinations and opportunity access to opportunity. Gaining choice riders is important but not easy. Dawson explains. Things I mean even you know Uber and Lyft I think have learned this um, you know. You know, transportation is just, it's really hard to turn a profit, regardless of what mode you're operating, um, what level of service you're providing. It's just, you know, the resource relative to what you can actually, what people are willing to pay, you know, particularly if you have uh, a service um, as in Omaha, as in most American cities, that it doesn't quite get you exactly to where you want to go, right? There's this whole first mile, first, uh, last mile problem. And so then your your experience in the urban environment and does it support walkability? Does it have a, like that, those become really important factors. In addition to when am I gonna have to wait for a half an hour for a bus in a hostile environment? And so people just aren't really willing to pay um, much for that kind of experience, obviously. Um, so then you're operating at, at, a, at a loss, essentially. Car owners lack of interest in taking the bus regularly is not solely due to inconvenient public transit routes. Another obstacle in the way of more people ditching their cars are misconceptions surrounding who buses are for and what they're actually like. Everyone's accustomed to going exactly where they want and being able to park right outside, get outside. That convenience is just really hard <laughs> to undo. And then you layer on top of that, you know, different forms of prejudice, whether like, oh, well, you know, it's only for the people who have no options. It's only for people of color. I think there's definitely some racist overtones in, in Omaha and all American cities about transit and who it's intended for. I actually, when it's all said and done, think it has very little to do with the, the cleanliness and experience because I think, you, as you probably ex hopefully experienced, um, and I've always experienced is that the 
the buses themselves are in good shape. Dawson is right. The majority of buses I rode in while reporting this story, which was a lot, were well air-conditioned and felt sanitary. However, the rider experience doesn't start at the bus. It begins at the stops. 90 and Dodge. Omaha's sometimes doesn't have a bench at all, or they're those horrible advertising, you know, bench things. Which, you know, think about that in the urban environment when you have all these cars speeding past you, you know, and you're sitting on one of those sort of half-collapsed benches. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, you know, shame-inducing thing. And so then that becomes a further sort of, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be on display, you know, in this, you know, complete, completely degraded <laughs> um, environment. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, there's just a lot of... Um, psychological uh, bias, frankly, to overcome. And it starts with service, it starts with facility quality, but actually it starts with the funding. Schweitz echoes the issues with funding when it comes to bus stop amenities and improvements. Uh, We have about 4,000 bus stops across the region. And so it's probably not realistic from a capacity standpoint for us to put um, full amenities at every stop. So from there, we kind of have to prioritize um, stops that are used the most or that are um, key intersections and transfer points kind of go through a screening process to identify the areas of most critical need and match that to our budget and our ability to take on um, additional maintenance. Jason Rose, the Communication and Community Relations Director at Metro, speaks on getting people in Omaha to opt out of driving for the bus. Additionally, Omaha has... uh, has been kind of a car focused city, which is, it's, um, that's pretty typical of Midwest cities, frankly. Um, in my time here, um, I've noticed a trend toward people wanting more service that we, we know that people want um, more bus routes in more places, right? Uh, better passenger amenities and to be able to use uh, the bus system instead of having to own a car. We're not trying to, tr- trying to get people to completely uh, you, you know, sell every car that they have and convert over. What we're trying to do is is allow enough options that, that it can be a, a realistic thing for people to do. One person who has recently taken the leap of getting rid of her car and taking the bus to and from work is Colleen Chicheri. Uh, right now I'm waiting for the bus, um, uh, taking it to work. I met Chicheri at her bus stop alongside Maple. I've um, definitely arrived with several minutes to spare. And um, the bus has, you know, been early, or I've seen it leaving the stop, and I'm not quite there yet. And I, based on the schedule, I'm not late. Um, I actually happened like several times the first week, and I was feeling really discouraged. Despite the initial discouragement, she stuck with her new mode of transportation. This is an experiment for our family. Um, we have been down to one car for a year, but obviously, with working from home, it's been pretty easy to balance and with no activities um, out and about, it's been pretty easy uh, to um, to just have one car. But the the past um, like three to four weeks, it's been um, like where the real challenge is. The bus route is exactly the same way I drive. So it's really, really convenient. Um, it's kind of, I feel a little embarrassed that I haven't taken the bus before now um, because um, it's literally like I live 
three blocks from here and it drops me off in the same parking lot that I would normally be parking in at work. It's still like just very much, even in Omaha, just a culture of everyone drives. That's just kind of how it, how it works, if you can drive. For so many of us, we um, did driver's ed when we were growing up and there's all this training to learn how to get around um, by car. And especially in the Midwest, most people get to adulthood and they have no idea where to start when it comes to public transportation. And so I've, I've heard from so many people that say, I would love to take the bus, that looks really interesting, but I just don't have the confidence to go stand on a corner and even know where it would take me or what I need to do. As embarrassing as this is to admit, my first ride, I attempted to swipe my credit card through the Metro card reader. Card not valid. Card not valid. Schweitz says Metro is working on providing education around the bus system to help clueless riders like myself. So we also um, try to focus our efforts on education and helping make people aware of what's the resources around them. Um, and then building that confidence so that they can go out and have a positive experience. Uh, one thing that we're really excited about is this pilot program that we've started thanks to a philanthropic donation that allows um, K through 12 students to ride free on our system for an entire year. Um, so that started this May and goes through next summer. Um, and it's for any purpose, whether they're headed to school or not, but it, it's gonna allow this next generation to have so much more exposure early in life to riding the bus. And so it, it won't be this weird thing that they get into adulthood and are trying to start for the first time. Uh, it's something where we can build that confidence early on. For Shacheri, the bus increases her commute, but is yet to put her severely behind her schedule. On a slow day, it probably doubles my time on a, from like um, 10 to 15 minutes total from door to door to um, like 25 or 30 minutes if I have to wait a while for the, the next bus, like if I just missed it. But um, on a day where I just show up at the right time, the bus is on time, um, it's it's really almost exactly the same. Maybe an extra five minutes of walking at most. No, I expected it to be more inconvenient actually. <laughs> um, and like anything that you do for the first, or that you know at first and you make sort of a change, it takes a little while to navigate the, the details and the nuances, but um, yeah, it's definitely pretty, pretty convenient, pretty simple. In a car-focused city like Omaha, Chichari has been met with a mix of reactions when she tells people how she gets to work every day. Most people are surprised. Some people are, um, especially with like similar values, um, have some like admiration, like, wow, good for your family. Um, and uh, yeah, some people are, um, you know, who maybe never would have considered it are like, oh, that's interesting. All right, here's my bus stop coming up. So this is the parking lot that I would parking in if I drove. And then I catch the bus just right across the street here. Like that. So very, very convenient. Jacheri is not the only one who finds the bus convenient enough to leave behind her car. If you had a car, would you consider still taking the bus or uh, yeah I would. 
because you never know what will go on like with the car. And I haven't drove in like I want to say two, three years, based off a situation with my license, you know, in the court. So pretty much, uh, yeah, I, I've been taking the busway before that too. I'm just more comfortable with it. And yeah. People drive crazy anyway. So. <laughs> Uh, my name is Dontre, Dontre Carney. How often do you take the bus? Uh, not so often, just when I need to. Got it. Um, and do you, is that because you have a, another mode of transportation typically? Uh, yes. So I just choose to take it just to save on money and gas. Other riders like Latrice would not hesitate to give the bus up. If you are to get a car in the future, would you immediately stop taking the bus? Yes. What do you think Metro could or should do to improve? Uh, less loitering out here would be nice. If they're not riding the bus, they shouldn't be out here. Currently, Metro is fielding complaints and suggestions from current potential and former riders on what Omaha's transit system should look like through a program called Metro Next. This is, I would highly encourage people to get involved in Metro Next. Uh, it is, it's critical for us to make the best decisions that we can make that we hear from the community. Because that's really what we're trying to do is establish what the most robust and accessible transit system is for the people that use it. So we want to hear from, from folks that are, that are interested, that are either current riders or, or want to be riders. Until the problems raised in Metro Next are resolved and more funding is put towards Omaha's bus system, Riders like Charles Lawrence will continue to have to make do with available routes. Luckily, tonight I have a manager that'll bring me home. So I can save myself 17 bucks tonight. But that same $17 I'd be saving tonight, I'm going to have to turn around and use tomorrow night and Friday night. So, you do what you got to do. For the reader, I'm Addie Costello. This episode was created with the help of Chris Bowling. The music used in this podcast is from Blue Dot Sessions.